Yo, what's up everybody? On this episode of the Bullpen Podcast, listen to me and Harris D. Gupta go into deep detail about his multi-asset global exchange platform. And also, stay tuned because at the end, I have a little bit of bonus audio for everybody. Let's do it. Oh, wait. One more thing before we get to the podcast. In this podcast, The Crypto Bunny... Any co-host and his guests do not give financial or investment advice and encourage you to do your own research on all topics mentioned. Do not invest into this market what you can't afford to lose. I bet I know what you're thinking. Is this really Morgan Freeman? Well, unfortunately not. But Lyndon thought it would be a good idea to use such a soothing voice for the legal mumbo-jumbo to smooth things over. Now, let's do it. Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Play ball! Podcast number nine, the crypto bully. Wow! <laughs> he makes it look so easy. And that ball has left the stadium. Hey, what's up, everybody? I want to welcome everyone to episode 14 of the Bullpen Podcast, powered by ECC. I'm your host, The Crypto Bully, also known as Mr. Crypto Carlton, and here on this podcast, I like to get into the bullpen with some of the most interesting and influential individuals in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space to pick their brains about their opinions and see what they have going on. So for today, I have a really awesome guest on the show. Um, It's his first time on a podcast, but I'm sure it won't be his last. Um, This gentleman has an education and background in financial economics and philosophy, um, and he has a professional career with many well-known financial institutions institutions such as Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, and Barclays, and he is also the co-founder and CEO of Polybird Exchange. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest for today, Mr. Harris D. Gupta. How are you doing today? Doing well, Lyndon. Thanks so much for hosting me today, uh, and thanks so much for the introduction. Really appreciate it. Um, I'm glad to talk about Polybird. Yeah, yeah, not a problem, man. I really take, I appreciate you taking the time to c- come out on the show today and just kind of have a confer- conversation with me, man. When I when I found out about Polybird, uh, saw what you were doing, I really thought that was that was pretty interesting. And I've, this is something I've been wanting to talk to uh, someone about for a while and really kind of you know put the conversation out there for listeners. So definitely, uh, I really appreciate that. So um, just for for the people who may be unfamiliar with you, um, why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself and about how you became involved in the blockchain and cryptocurrency? space? Sure. Um, so I hail from financial services industry. Uh, I have worked, as Lyndon mentioned before, at some of these investment banks. And I'm very passionate about financial markets and have been following blockchain space for uh, since 2015. Uh, this was also the time when I joined one of these investment banks. And I saw that they have been working on several applications and um, the use cases of blockchain in financial markets. Um, more recently, as the ecosystem developed, 
after the boom and bust of 2017 ICOs, uh, there have been a big and a very big um, concept called security tokens. Um, and the concept of security tokens was only more compliant, but I think that's a very limited understanding of what this technology is doing. Uh, broadly, what we are doing at Polybird is focusing on the all financial assets out there and putting it on blockchain. And there's several advantages to that, which I'll go in details in later. Uh, but what we are doing at Polybird is essentially any assets that can be put on blockchain, whether that is stocks, commodities, bonds, uh, currencies, real estate, um, we want to be trading that particular assets, the tokenized assets, onto Polybird. Um, and it's a global platform, so it doesn't really matter um, whether it is uh, US or Europe. Our focus is global. And we also want to be multi-asset, so it doesn't matter that whether it is tokenized stocks, tokenized bonds, if it's a financial asset and it is on blockchain that is represented by tokens, we want to be we want it to be on a platform. So we are global and multi-asset. Wow. So that's that's pretty interesting. So you guys are basically taking both traditional assets and crypto assets, tokenizing them. So literally you're gonna have a global platform that can basically house all of that. That's wow. That's that's pretty interesting. That that uh, yeah, that raises a lot, a lot of questions for me. But that that seems like a a huge task to take on. Um, that's that's pretty awesome. Um, so the, my question for you with this, right? So obviously, if you're dealing with this on a global scale, obviously you're gonna have to deal with regulations, right, between different regions across the globe. So how do you plan on, I guess, dealing with that all on one platform? Right. Um. And that, that's a very good point. And, you know, whenever we talk to anyone or whenever we think about, anyone thinks about the platform Polybird, the first thing that comes to mind is not technology. That how are we going to do it? Because it's already been done and it's already been done many times. Uh -huh. And it's very clear how it will be done, right? And that's very interesting that the tech part is so clear. And that means that the markets have already matured to get to this level in understanding of what tokenized assets are or can do. Mm -hmm. Right, so that's a very good thing for the markets. Right. Um, the second part is uh, regulations. So, how do we manage these regulations? The regulations really depends on on what asset class we are talking about, and each asset class has different regulations out there in different countries. So, for instance, when we talk about equities, equities are the most regulated asset class outside uh, in the financial markets. It is the most regulated asset class in the world. Mm -hmm. So the moment we, we launch equities, uh, it's very hard to build that particular platform to begin with just because it's highly regulated and you need many licenses in many jurisdictions to operate a global platform. But if you look at other asset classes, such as bonds, currencies, um, and maybe a little of commodities, wow. you'd see... These asset classes, uh, some of these are traded over the counter. Uh, regulations exist, but the regulations aren't as stringent as, say, equities. So 
our our go to market strategy is to begin with currencies and bonds and specifically when you talk about bonds these are institutional bonds which big banks have already been leasing in billions of dollars of value on blockchain so our idea is to have these bonds being issued by banks onto our platform and we can both issue and trade via simple broker dealer licensing which is not as difficult as to get as much as the stock exchange licensing so that's a go to market strategy for bonds now if you look at currencies currencies mostly in in our case it's the stable coins or the fiat backed tokens uh-huh. uh these currencies onto our platform these are um traded over the counter so again the regulations and tokenized currencies and tokenized bonds are much less and with minimal and simple licensing you can build up this platform and once you have volumes to show uh you can always uh demonstrate the compliance framework the volumes on your platform the investor base and the demand for your platform to any financial regulator and make a case that why you need a stock exchange license um why this approach it will be much uh, faster uh and much more meaningful and much smarter to approach building up this platform which is a go to market strategy and and that's the approach we are taking so most of the other players who exist in the market which you may have heard about or the audience may have heard about are t0 open finance uh and so on mm-hmm. and most of these exchanges are beginning with um stocks that is equities and whether you talk about regulations or whether you talk about building up the in- building up the investor base for equities it's really hard but both in bonds and currencies it happens at a much larger scale and it happens much faster um both regulations and building up the investor or trader base so that's that's a go to market strategy which most of the exchanges do not understand and this is where we distinguish ourselves uh this is how we are building up the platform and approaching how how we deal with a tokenized economy Gotcha. Okay. Wow. So, so yeah, it definitely seems like you guys have put a lot of thought into this as far as ways to, I guess, balance out the regulation and the compliance between different uh, global markets and things like that. And, you know, another interesting thing I read that you guys were implementing, um, where you guys were implementing something that is called uh, Chinese walls. Uh, would you mind going and explaining just a little bit of what that, what that all uh, encompasses? Sure. Absolutely. So what are Chinese walls? Chinese walls are a very common concept in the investment banking industry or in general at the investment banks. Um so for instance when I was working at Morgan Stanley Research Department, mm-hmm. uh, it meant I could not talk to anyone who was at Morgan Stanley Capital Markets or Morgan Stanley Investment Banking team. Um so there is an internal direct- directory at the firm and you can either call or email them uh via that particular directory but there were chinese walls implemented within the system so even though i would know that they exist and i could see them in the directory uh-huh. there is no way i could make a contact with them okay. and it was implemented by these softwares right that no contact can be made and even if you try to make a phone call or an email messages everything would get rejected uh automatically by these softwares So these softwares were commonly called Chinese walls. Um 
Similarly, onto our platform, we will be implementing the so-called Chinese walls. And what these Chinese walls are essentially, say, if there is a particular asset that is out there and it is only available to accredited investors, right? Yes. So if there is an retail investor out there who is trying to buy an asset uh, onto the platform and the asset that we are offering is one particular asset I'm talking about we are offering is only available to accredited investors, that particular retail investor would not be able to see the asset class in the first place or the particular asset in the first place. So the opportunity to um, invest or trade that particular asset wouldn't be there in the very first place. Gotcha. So, okay. So that's these Chinese walls that it makes the markets very efficient. So some of the existing ecosystem players, such as um, Harbor and Polymath, what they suggest is that to make these work, you implement the compliance at the token level that once the transaction is executed, if it is compliant, it will be executed. If it is non-compliant, it gets rejected. Well, that's fine if you're only dealing one person to one person at a local level. Right. But if you talk about large volumes at in large volumes at a daily level, uh, this becomes very hard to hard and inefficient right. to execute on a daily basis if the volumes increase. Uh, so we mostly do this thing on the exchange level. So that that's how we're implementing the Chinese walls at the exchange level. And we don't deny it that that's not a good approach. Uh, certainly, that's the right approach for on-chain transactions. Yes. But the moment you talk about off-chain transactions, uh, it needs to be scaled up, and that can only happen at the exchange level. So we are implementing compliance at the exchange level via Chinese walls. Gotcha. Okay, okay. So that makes a lot of sense. So basically, these Chinese walls on the exchange level is going to serve as a means to basically... Um, make sure that the investors see only the investments that they are supposed to have access to, uh, you know, access to based on their geographical location or their financial information. Okay. That, that definitely makes sense. And so from, from the sound of this, from what I'm getting from all this, you, it seems like you guys are really trying to create basically a global exchange um, that makes financial institutions and governments and large companies feel, you know, feel very comfortable to come and basically list their assets or their tokens. Um, do you guys have like a, I guess, how are you guys going to figure out like, okay, what, what is the, is there like a criteria that you guys are going to use to basically determine which assets or which tokens are going to get listed on your platform? Right. And that's a very big, big question. We will, and of course, uh, it will be very detailed, but it wouldn't be opening up the entire platform to entire markets because that's not how the investor base would react to. Uh -huh. uh, if they see very general asset classes from very small to all big, all push onto one platform, and and even the listing asset managers, they cannot you know just come here and uh, list any asset. So there needs to be a go-to-market strategy, and, and we are dealing it with one size within one asset class at a time. So for instance, when we begin with currencies, uh, any tokenized currencies whether it's tokenized Australian dollars, Hong Kong dollars. Mm -hmm. Whichever um, tokenized currencies we are talking about, now it, it would be all of those. Uh, when you're talking about and all the stable coins and all the government-backed state currencies which, has been, which have been launched already in the market, 
that's the idea in currencies. In bonds, in bonds it would be, for now, it would be mostly these institutional assets, which the banks have been releasing onto blockchain, which we need to approach and onboard it onto a platform and then build a platform from there. But eventually the idea is to have uh, municipal bonds, investment grade bonds, which are corporate bonds, uh, even high yield bonds and different kinds of bonds onto a platform. Um, and you know, once you start building out the platform, the list goes on and on and on and on. Right. But the moment when we, when, when we approve listing of assets onto a platform, it will be an entire spectrum of that kind of assets. It wouldn't be like, okay, we'll list your asset. Now, it'll be an entire set of assets in that particular class. So if you're talking about municipal bonds, when we approve, okay, we will be accepting any size of municipal bonds with these grades, right? They, they, uh, bonds have gradings, ratings. Right. So one, once we right. open up to that particular asset class, there'll be a huge number of assets listed onto a platform. So we will be moving one phase after another via that. Um, okay. And that's the strategy for building up um, in details of each asset. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, so that makes okay. So you guys are basically going to be rolling it out piece by piece, and you're going to be working on basically each asset class. And then it sounds like when you guys decide to say release a particular asset class, there's going to be basically many options within that particular asset class. Um, it won't be like you release one and, and people won't, you know, people will have small pickings basically. So, and that 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 makes sense. Um, when you talk about doing that, I, I could only imagine trying to roll out every asset class at the same time i'm sure that would be uh that would be a lot that would be a, maybe even a little bit overwhelming to certain certain people or certain investors so it to me it definitely makes more sense to kind of roll it out piece by piece so that's that's pretty awesome and do you do you guys so thinking about that even from that right so when it comes to you guys creating the exchange you're going to have all of these different asset classes eventually that that um investors will have access to how do you guys plan on handling like uh, the liquidity of this when it, when you guys first come onto the market? I mean, are you going to be like pairing with other exchanges or, you know, do you guys kind of have a game plan for that right now? Sure. That's a very good question. Um, regarding liquidity, um, you know, first of all, the value proposition we are providing by tokenization is that it not only brings you to the assets that is already out there in the market, mm -hmm. it also opens up trillions of dollars of assets which are logged up. So whether you talk about trillions of dollars of assets that are logged up or the capital or the investor base which haven't been able to get into the existing capital markets because mm -hmm. of um, limited opportunities or high barriers to entry. Via our platform, uh, much of these logged up assets opens up via tokenizations and are listed onto the platform. So when these assets, which were previously highly illiquid, are fractionalized, converted into tokens, and brought onto our exchange, they certainly get an opportunity uh, to be bought and sold um, much more frequently. Uh -huh. But that doesn't mean that you would find a high liquidity always. So we are already assuming that, say, you have a real estate piece, right? right? You divide into like a thousand pieces. 
so, so the, the real estate piece is valued at uh, $10 million. And then you divide it into, say, uh, 10,000 pieces, mm -hmm. right? And, and put that 10,000 pieces onto a platform. Now, you can put a sell order saying, I want to sell 1,000 1, coins onto the market. Right. Now, this 1,000 order is available onto the exchange. Um, and this will stay up until the next person has picked up, right? Yeah. But it doesn't mean that it will be sold immediately. Liquidity is that it can be sold immediately, right? But liquidity is when you can put a sell order and when someone finds it, he buys it, right? Which is much better than being able to sell your entire asset immediately, what you might not want to do, right? Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, so, so that's the kind of opportunity we can provide onto a platform. Gotcha. Okay, okay. That, that'll definitely be interesting seeing, seeing being implemented. So... Man, it's so many, so many questions coming to mind, man. It seems like you guys are definitely uh, uh, thinking this through a lot and trying to make this. So, thinking about this also. So, from what you, from what I can, from what I can hear when you're talking to me and, and the data that I'm gathering, gathering from when you're talking, um, it seems like this is going to be less. This this particular exchange is going to be less on the decentralized end of things, obviously, because if you're going to be working with um, entity, you know, uh, working with compliance and and regulation and things like that, right? I'm thinking decentral a decentralized platform doesn't doesn't make that as possible um how do you guys i mean do you guys expect pushback from that you know like um do you guys plan on going to the decentralized route or do you you know how do you plan on handling that part of it with the exchange okay so there have been a lot of buzz in the market regarding the decentralized exchanges mm -hmm. but that said we are not a huge supporter or believers in decentralized exchanges um and i'll explain that why uh Decentralized exchanges, one one big value proposition from decentralized exchanges have that users can store their assets with themselves and right. use the exchange to actually exchange assets. Um, that sounds fantastic, but if you look institutionally, institutions are the ones who give most volumes in the financial markets, not individuals. Mm -hmm. um, these institutions have a legal mandate that they cannot store their assets with themselves, right? Yep. So institutionally speaking, decentralized exchanges are useless for those people. Um, if you are trying to capture a large part of market share, and if you remove the institutions, there's barely left anything that's meaningful when compared with the institutions were there, right? So to involve these big institutions and a very large part of financial markets, it is important that decentralization, decentralization part of exchange uh, is not there. So it, it's really not that helpful. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, people who started the decentralization movement for the exchanges didn't make any sense. They did. They did absolutely. If you see from crypto perspective, you know, there came centralized exchanges in the big thing that right. people stored their assets. Overnight, those central exchanges would vanish, so people would lose millions of dollars. And I completely understand that, but uh, and it makes sense. Like, wow, if we can have decentralized exchanges in cryptocurrencies, why we cannot have it in Wall Street or or securities industry, uh -huh. right? But well, but Wall Street is highly regulated industry where 
where it where letting people store their own assets is not it won't be compliant for very long for many people um which is why it makes sense to use the underlying technology for various functions but but not support decentralization and i am not the only one who who doesn't believe in decentralization very famous people like uh, barry's billionaire barry silbert of digital currency group uh who is pretty much the center of the ecosystem mm-hmm. uh sitting out of new york uh he also is not a big believer in decentralization so you see um financial markets will definitely be using the underlying technology of blockchain smart contracts and converting the assets into tokenized assets uh-huh. but decentralization wouldn't be a part of that gotcha gotcha and and it sounds like that makes sense for you guys obviously if you like you said if you're going to be uh, um you know basically your target is going to be financial, you know, institutions, governments, and things like that. Like you said, from that perspective, it sounds like this decentralized exchanges makes more sense for the individual to whereas what you guys are proposing is basically a solution for these large institutions and things like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah our, right. our solution is for everyone. Our solution is for everyone. Mm-hmm. But if it has to be everyone, it better be the way we are doing yeah. because that's how we get liquidity and large volumes onto the platform. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it could be anyone. So these bonds can still be traded by anyone who is trading $10 or even institutions which is trading $10 billion a day. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Very, inter- very interesting. All on, and, and all on one platform. All on one platform. Okay. Yeah, that'll, that'll ah man, that'll be definitely be interesting. I can't I can't wait to till this is available and it, just to see how the market responds to it. Uh very interested to see that. And actually and now that I think about it too, so obviously you guys are gonna be a single exchange, right? You're gonna have multiple assets on one exchange. Will will individuals be able to trade between assets or will it only be within one? No, there will be pairs. Um, we will be using various currencies to make these pairs. It could be uh, Polybird coin. Uh, it could be many stable cryptocurrencies that are coming up in the market. Uh, one stable currency could be fiat bank. Maybe it could be US dollar, mm-hmm. or it could be something completely algorithmic like basis. Now, the important part is that initially it has to be a US dollar backed stable coin particularly because most of the assets out there, when you talk about global oil, global silver, global gold, uh-huh. uh, global currencies, most of these are valued in US dollars. So you cannot directly have something like basis saying pricing of these assets via basis, which is a completely different beast. Uh, so initially, it will only be via um, US dollar backed stable coins, which are released by these people like Tether, Gemini, Circle, Paxos, um, but eventually, if someone like Basis is successful, which is a truly global cryptocurrency, stable coin, not backed by any financial assets and completely algorithmic in nature, um, that could also work well on a platform. Um, but, but it cannot to begin with. Um, and it has to begin with a stable coin, US dollar, just because all of the financial assets are priced in US dollar. Gotcha. Okay. So <clears throat> thinking about that, then two, two questions come to mind. 
One, um, will your exchange have the ability to allow users to um, directly deposit fiat onto your exchange? So the idea is it will be a completely and truly digital platform uh, where people to even interact with the platform, uh, you'd need a stable coin fiat backed. So if you have fiat, you rather would convert into fiat coin and then come to us. Okay, but, gotcha. Yeah, but you know, like we we want to be very open. We also understand a lot of institutions wouldn't be open to something like that. So we'll definitely be open, opening a route for fee, pure fiat currencies. Mm -hmm. uh, but but eventually, you know, we we do see a future where these institutions actually hold stable coins, which are which 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 are pure digital currency. So so you don't have to go through banks to interact with our platform. It'll just be a buyer and a seller and this particular platform where they're interacting it and, and they don't need banks to go back and forth wire. Okay, in order to get them, the, the fiat into the system. Okay, okay, and that makes sense. And then the, the second question that I had regarding that, um, obviously stable coins, right? There's a lot of exchanges that have came out with their own versions of stable coins. Gemini has their own now. Circle teamed up uh, with Coinbase, and they have their own now. Um, does Polybird, will, will you guys have your own stable coin as well? Um, we might, and it's a lucrative business. Mm -hmm. um, and making these stable coins aren't that complicated, though it does involve some cash infusion in the beginning. Right. Um, but but that said, we will consider it in the future, and we wouldn't rule out completely. But to begin with, we don't want to do too many things. Uh, it is also because of what, that reason that we are not tokenizer, right? Yeah. Um, we yeah. we are not sitting here to tokenize gold, tokenize currencies, tokenize real estate. We, we are like literally a marketplace like Amazon, right? Um, our job is to just be a middle layer out there. So if there's a tokenizer who wants to come in and say, hey, we just tokenized AUD, which is Australian dollars, and they want to put it on our platform, uh, please feel free to do so. And, and, you know, there are a bunch of buyers and sellers who come on to the platform and say, hey, we want to trade these coins. Yes, you can do that. Uh, but... We don't see ourselves uh, tokenizing Australian dollars, which is a very lucrative business. We don't want to be that, at least to begin with, we wouldn't rule out any future uh, movement into tokenization of assets. But to begin with, we don't want to do too many things. And, and to begin with, we'll just be a simple global marketplace. Um, and, and I'll give you a very good example of being a, what it means is truly global marketplace. You look at Amazon. Wait. Right, like now I'm, I move back and forth between New York and Mumbai, right? So I use Amazon at both of these places. Right. Now, if I use Amazon in the U.S., it is called Amazon.com. Right. But when I use it in India, it is Amazon.in, which means that if I buy something, I will still get it from an Indian seller, uh -huh. and I'm an Indian buyer. So the transaction takes place locally. Right. Now, if I were to use something like a Kentucky buyer, uh, a Kentucky seller, I would actually need to log on to Amazon.com, which right. is a different beast. Now, all of the profits, whether it's Amazon.in, Amazon.com, goes to Amazon Global, right? But right. at the end of the day, Amazon is a global platform. So I think this is also what we're trying to achieve. And this can be done via Chinese walls and into many countries. 
that we, we are focused, we, we are not focused on any specific country. Oh, we want to be uh, the best U.S. exchange. We want to be the best Swiss exchange. Now, we are like truly, truly global. And it doesn't matter where, where the location of the participants are either. It's a global platform for pretty much all the assets out there on the planet. And it can be very much local specific, but but it'll still be a global platform like the example I gave you about Amazon. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. The Amazon was definitely a really good example. That that makes a lot of sense. So you guys really are trying to be global. And like you said, you're, you're trying to basically be that, that platform that basically brings buyers and sellers together for all of these different asset classes for institutions, governments, individuals, accredited investors. I mean, basically everybody, you literally are, are yes. creating something um, for everybody, which in, in not really thinking about it, like it does make sense as to why you're saying um, as far kind of going against the decentralized route, because obviously if you're going to make a platform for everybody, you're going to, you're going to try to basically make a, make a platform that fits everyone in there that basically everybody can participate in um and and i guess feel comfortable in an extent so i mean like you said when it when it comes to large liquidity um institutions definitely offer that so that makes sense <laughs> so in my mind at least at least when hearing you talk about and, it, it makes sense and if, if you look at it you know markets are frag fragmented into two parts one is only for Accredited investors or right. who have very large opportunities via these investment banks, and you know, like you, you do not even know many retail investors do not even know the kind of opportunities the accredited investors or a certain set of rich people or corporations get mm -hmm. exposed to when they work by these investment banks. Um, and on the other hand, most of the retail investors are only trading um, public stocks out there uh, with very limited opportunity. Uh, in, in information, these upgraded or simple set of investors mm -hmm. I, I just mentioned. Now, if you put everything onto one platform, first of all, it takes away market share of what these investment banks are doing in various businesses. And it also democratizes the access to other set of investors. So that's one advantage we give that um, bringing large and small players onto one platform, uh -huh. it really democratizes or, or puts us onto that particular path, um, which is good for bigger and broader markets. So at one point, we, we want to see, uh, we are eating market share from what these investment banks are doing. Uh -huh. And and several of, the bank, several of the leaders from investment banking industry have also joined our advisory board, who are basically the chief of some of the divisions of, at these investment banks. Right. Um, so, so, so that's the sort of idea we have, and that's the sort of support we have at the moment. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and I'm you know sitting here literally at the moment looking at your advisory board. You guys definitely have. I mean, you get you get Hopkins Business School, Morgan Stanley, um, UBS, Sony Pictures. Um, yeah, you you guys are definitely trying to tackle that without a doubt. I mean, you you guys have a lot of back uh, a lot of background, a lot of financial people with a lot of um, awesome financial background. So. We'll definitely be interested to see how everything rolls out. And, um, you know, another thing that that I think about when I think about this. So when you guys push out this platform, right, in order to help tokenize all of this stuff, um, do you guys are you guys going to be using the blockchain of an existing coin? Are you guys going to be creating your own blockchain? Like, how do you plan on housing how all of these transactions right. are handled? 
So again, I'll go back to my previous uh, answer saying, we are not in the tokenization, which means uh, the tokenizer are a completely different ball game uh, and, and the people who are doing it, they're completely different beasts. Our job is to facilitate transactions. So for instance, if you, you see Carbon, which is a stable coin, it is based out of EOS, uh-huh. whereas Circle, Gemini, they, they are based out of Ethereum. Right. Um, we are open to both Circle guys and, and EOS, um, the Carbon, yeah. but we yeah. ourselves are not favoring one platform over other. Um, if you if you look at bonds on blockchain, which these institutions are doing, mm-hmm. these are private blockchains. Some of them are, are being built on JP Morgan's Quorum blockchain. Um, we also want that onto a platform. So regarding the actual blockchain, we are quite agnostic about it. And no, we are not creating our own. Uh, it is really depends on the issuer and tokenizer who are doing this. Got and it. it doesn't matter to us what platform it is. We want to put it on our exchange regardless. Gotcha. Because these are still digital assets. And, and we just are providing the middle layer infrastructure for the facilitation of these digital asset economy or the tokenized economy. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So basically you guys, you, you guys are going to basically, you're creating, like you said, you're, you're going to be the ultimate middleman that offers the platform to basically, it doesn't matter where they come from. The issuer is going to be the one, you know, um, who basically handles that part of it. And you guys are going to be basically just setting up a worldly, a global um, exchange where all of this can take place. So yeah, you guys, you, in that sense, you guys don't, you know, you don't have a bias. You wouldn't have to have a bias because you, you accept everything essentially. Right. So again, we we don't have a particular bias of one blockchain or the other. Right. Just because each asset has its different need. Some assets cannot be made public. Or, or on a public blockchain, and some assets just wouldn't make sense if it goes on private blockchain. Um, some assets doesn't make sense to be on Ethereum, and some assets doesn't make sense to be on EU. Since we are global and multi-asset, we have to uh, to make it very large, uh, which, which is why we are not uh, focused or, or pursuing one blockchain and saying everyone should be on this blockchain. Yeah, right. I think that's a very limited way of thinking, and I don't don't think that's a very good way to grow. But that's how that's how we are approaching right. it. Yeah. So yeah, you guys essentially are creating an environment to where any any all blockchains are welcome. Basically, there's no bias. Um, it basically the issuer brings something to your platform, an asset, and you know, basically, no matter who they're with, they're they're welcome basically to apply and, and basically uh, invite it. That's that. Now that part I like. <laughs> that part is is pretty awesome because I feel like something like that could definitely help grow the space and further the space. Um, it kind of eliminates the idea of the competition, and I, I like that. That I do like for sure. So that's pretty awesome. So do you guys have like a like? Um, an idea of what the the user interface is going to look like. I mean, are you guys going to be, you know, are you going to be similar to like a Binance visually? Are you going to look completely different? How do you guys plan on tackling that part? So in terms of trading, uh, the users are going to very much experience a very similar trading experience. They have been experiencing on trading digital assets on other digital asset exchanges. Okay. Uh, in terms of issuance, um, of equity and debt capital, that's a different ball game, and that's um, 
will be more understandable from capital market perspective. But to summarize, it facilitates and automates various parts of capital market transactions, various parts of capital market transactions. Um, and that can be done via the issuance partnerships we have uh, onto a platform with. Uh, so, so that's the idea behind um, both trading and issuance on one platform. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to do the entire issuance as well as trading on a platform because tokenization and blockchain and smart contracts, these if affect the entire life cycle of assets, um, especially right. digital assets. Now, since it was disrupting and affecting the entire life cycle, it made sense for us to have all of the life cycle onto our platform. Uh, just because one part, just because I'll give you an example, banks across the world have been issuing billions of dollars of block assets on blockchain, but once they issue, it's still sitting on their blockchain and there is no liquid, there is zero liquidity because mm -hmm. they are not putting it onto a trading platform. Right. Now we want to provide that particular platform, but we also think that you can also issue. So if you provide only a trading platform, um, it assumes that you know tokenizers will do their job and then come to you, which is not happening. And same with issuances. Once the issuance is done, if you think it will be traded automatically, that's not going to happen either because now the assets are sitting on the blockchain with zero liquidity, which is why we're trying to be an end-to-end -end platform there where it can also be issued and list uh, and traded, or if it's already a tokenized asset, it can just directly be listed and be ready to be traded. You guys definitely have a lot going on. You guys definitely have a lot uh, to take into consideration when basically rolling this out. I mean, it definitely seems like you guys are doing your homework and definitely taking all things into consideration. Um, I'm, I'm my, me myself. I'm definitely going to follow this. I'm very curious to see how all of this, uh, rolls out and how the market takes to this, uh, from both an institutional and from a, from a, a retail investment side, uh, perspective that I think it's going to be, it's going to be pretty interesting. And I'm definitely glad we had this conversation. It was, it was really awesome to talk to you and kind of answer these questions that were in my head when I started kind of doing research about Polybird and, uh, looking into what you guys have going on. It's, it's pretty awesome, man. Thank you. Really appreciate the kind words, and then yeah, 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 not a problem at all. And um, just so know, I, I know you guys have your 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 uh, private sale that's going on right now. Do you guys have any type of ETA or idea of when you plan on uh, rolling out the Polybird Exchange? Um, so right now we are only dealing with offering pure equity uh, to a certain set of investors. Mm -hmm. uh, most of these are institutional investors, VC funds, family offices, whom we are dealing with. Um, and we have various ways where these investors could get exit. Uh, and it's the traditional IPO, traditional um, bigger rounds or, or tokenizing our, this particular equity that we have and putting it onto our own platform. So these are some of the exit routes we have at the moment. Uh, in terms of token seal, the token seal is pure security token offering. It's only limited to credited investor and then it, it's a very small investor base we are looking at uh, we have already had good in, uh, good interest and we are deep down in conversations with many people uh, but but it's very limited set of investors and people whom we are talking to and it's definitely not open to a larger public like ICO or maybe even a compliance security token offering 
Yes. So gotcha. Okay. All right. All right. And will will any part of it be open up to um the the public at all at any point, or will it stay pretty you know pretty private in that sense? It will definitely at later stages uh, as we grow and maybe when we file for example Reg A, right under right. the SEC, we file for Reg A or when we tokenize these assets and it can be, it passes over the accredited locker period where retail traders can trade or or, or something in those lines. Yes. But for now, uh, all of those need serious legal consideration before we open up to public. Um, which is why, you know, a lot of projects in the space, such as Polymath, Basis, uh, Trust Token, these are pretty prominent projects, which mostly raised financing privately. Uh, if, if they had opened up to ICOs, I'm sure they would have done very well, but they never opened to ICOs or anything. Right. I mean, they released the coins and, and it's not public for anyone to buy or sell. But to begin with, they, that's how they did not raise capital. They, they raised capital very privately uh, from a very select set of institutional investors. So, so that's how we are targeting as well. And that's our approach. All right. Okay. Yeah, that, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty self-explanatory there. Okay. Sounds that, that sounds good. And, um, you know, one more question I want to ask you, uh, Harris, um, I ask this pretty much to everybody who comes on the show. Um, you, what mark do you want to leave on basically the blockchain and, and cryptocurrency space? I see a large trend coming in, in this space that is going to change the entire financial market. Um, it is going to open up trillions of dollars of opportunities. And and when I joined financial services industry, I really wanted to do something very big. Um, and, and I think that's this is my opportunity via tokenization of assets where I see that how much change it is bringing in expanding opportunities within the financial market space. So the impact I want to leave is work I leave behind, which is opening up opportunities both for asset owners as well as investors and traders. Definitely. I think you're definitely on the road to doing that for sure. Um, I mean, this this platform, I feel like definitely has the potential to be huge and opening up um, a play, basically a playing field to institutions, large financial institutions, governments and companies, you know, in order to raise capital and things like that. So, yeah, I, I honestly cannot wait until this is rolled out because I'm so curious to see what the market, how the market is going to respond and what people are going to think. So um, Thank you. I will definitely be following Thank this you. project <laughs> without a doubt. So, yeah, yeah, no, no problem. And again, I, I definitely appreciate you coming on to the show. This definitely, like I said, when I when I first started uh, reading about it, it definitely raised a lot of questions and things like that. But I mean, I think you did an amazing job answering pretty much all of these. Um, and just so everybody know, everybody who's listening, if you want to go check this out for yourself, you can go to polybird.io, polybird, P-O-L-Y. B-I-R-D. I mean, there's a lot of information on here. Um, I mean, there's plenty of information about the founder and the whole team. Um, they have their white paper available on here, the general white paper. Um, they even have an exchange demo. Um, so, you know, hey, if you're interested in this type of stuff, I would highly suggest go check it out. Check out the website. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Not not a problem again, Harris. I really appreciate you coming on to the show, taking the time out, time out to talk, man. Um, it was it was awesome talking to you. You said it was your first podcast, but it was it was awesome. <laughs> it went really well. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I'm, we, we, I'm, we, we are very glad that um, you hosted us. And once this is live, you'll be sure to put the link onto our 
website as well as publish it via um, our social media channels. So it helps both you and us. Awesome. That'll be awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you're always welcome back on the show. Definitely. Once we get uh, uh, some time down the road or further down the road, I definitely have to have you back on the show in the future, man. If we can talk and uh, just get an update from you and see what's going on. Absolutely. Sounds good to me. We will be glad to go back and discuss the progress you have made in that time. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, again, thanks. Thanks again for taking the time to come on the show. And uh, I can't wait to drop this for all of the listeners. I'm pretty sure they'll be uh, interested in, to see exactly uh, what it is we talked about. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks so much, Lyndon. Really appreciate it. No, no problem at all. All right, Harris, you take it easy. Um, you enjoy enjoy your day and uh, I'll be in contact with you. Thank you. I will look forward to you here. Okay. Okay. All right. Bye. You, you are now listening to the Bullpen Podcast exclusive. It's exclusive with me, the Crypto Bullet. Obviously, you know, in your world, right, you, you you obviously work with a lot of entrepreneurs. You interview a lot of entrepreneurs. You're an entrepreneur yourself. Um, as many people know from my first episode, man, you have been an amazing and huge part of me really jumpstarting this podcast. And honestly, I feel like a, a big part of why I've gained so much success so far. And, you know, obviously with me being in the crypto world, um, I know we've had a little bit of a conversation. Uh, I know you said you were a little bit into the crypto, man. Um, but my thing was like, what is it that really kind of got you into crypto? What is it that uh, that led you into it? This is the thing is like, I'm just a futurist. Like I am always looking to what's next. I love being cutting edge. Like I hate the feeling of being left behind. I mean, I know it's going to happen at some point in my life, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I just want to delay that as long as possible. Like I'd rather be in my 60s or 70s before I feel like I'm starting to lose kind of a grip on what's, what's cool and what's hip and what's happening in the world. And listen, like I'm just, I'm all about, you know, freedom and freedom in every way, shape, and form. You know, that's the reason why I left California and I left the United States mainland was because, you know, I really just felt like I was being kind of restricted in a lot of ways by both state and federal governments. And, you know, listen, if that was how it had to be, I mean, the United States is the best country in the world, I truly believe, and I would have stuck it out and made it happen. But because, you know, one of our wonderful, beautiful Caribbean um, territories, Puerto Rico, was offering an incredible deal where you can obviously retain your U.S. citizenship because Puerto Rico is a um, U.S. territory and come down and instead of paying what I was paying, combined 51% in taxes, paying 4% taxes. And it's been an absolute uh, business and financial game changer for us. You know, we come down, we came down, we, we, we bought, you know, our dream house um, on the Caribbean, just panoramic views every day. It's just like uh, the day is better than the day before. Just having this freedom of knowing that when we make we we make a dollar, we're keeping ninety four uh, ninety six cents, and it's a great feeling. I love it. It allows me to increase what I do with charities, increase what I just do in in, in general that I want to do, and build the kind of business that I want to build. And that kind of freedom, I love, and that's what the blockchain. And crypto world is bringing, you know, it's bringing that freedom, it's bringing that transparency, it's bringing that authenticity, you know, flipping even over to, you know, transparency and authenticity that crypto and, blo- and blockchain brings, you know, that's what we've been doing for six years now, you know, we've right. been publishing income reports, because we want people to see the inside of our business, most people are closed doors, you know, they don't, they don't really want you to know what they're doing, because frankly, you know, most people are struggling, because it's tough, and, and it's not, you know, 
should, you shouldn't be ashamed when you're struggling because you're in the vast majority of businesses and humans. Right. Um, but you know, most people want to front one thing and, and the reality is another thing. And, and that's just, that's just how it is. So we wanted day one to say, Hey, when we're struggling and we do struggle, like you'll see it on their income reports. And when we thrive and we're crushing it, like you'll see that too from our income reports. So we're just going to show you everything. And so that's what I love about blockchain and crypto is I feel like they're kind of bringing all of that into the world. And I think it's going to be a really cool place. So I just feel fortunate that I'm in a situation where there's some really cool companies out there who look at me as having a big enough influencer status. They want to bring me on as um, an advisor. They want to bring me on the board. They want to give me equity in the company. So there's a couple companies that I've been able to do that with. And I've been very excited to see where this goes and that I have some equity stake in it. Not to mention I've invested some of my own money just into Bitcoin, you know, Ethereum and some of the other big ones um, as well to see where that, you know, goes down the line. And, you know, for me, it's a long-term view. I think there's going to be a lot of craziness, you know, in the upcoming decades with all this stuff. Um, but I think long-term that, you know, somebody somehow somewhere is going to figure it out. It's going to be a really exciting time for a lot of people. Right. Yep. And that, that, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a, a whole lot of sense. And yeah, you hit on a lot of things, actually, <laughs> that, that I've really started to realize, too, um, especially from the whole the aspect of the reason that you moved to Puerto Rico, the business advantages that you have, the tax advantages that you have, especially from a crypto standpoint. And I honestly, I've actually been looking into a lot of that, a lot of that stuff myself. Well, you and, can't not. I mean, if you yeah. literally think you're ever going to make any money in cryptocurrency and like you're not going to be in a place like Puerto Rico where you have 0% capital gains on yes. all cryptocurrency. You're crazy because yep. you're just going to be giving, you're just going to be you're doing the opposite. Like, yeah, you might make a ton of money in it, in it but you're going to be giving, you know, most of it right back to the government, which is what we're looking to avoid by doing this whole thing here. So, I mean, Puerto Rico, rightfully so, is being called, you know, Crypto Rico because it's just the place that you come yes. when you're, you really believe and you're serious about the future of crypto and blockchain. And uh, it's, it's the best place for it. And I'm not saying it's going to be like this forever. It's just currently <laughs> how it is right now because of Act 20 um, and Act 22 specifically is yes. where you get the 0% capital gains for cryptocurrency. And I was accepted a couple of years ago and I moved to the island for it. And I have a 20-year decree. So for the next 20 years, I'm good. Nice. Um, and anybody else who gets that as well will be good for that time frame. But, you know. Time will tell. Yeah, exactly. Time will definitely tell. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna look more into that myself for sure. Cause uh, uh Puerto Rico, I mean, obviously, aside from the tax advantages, the views are beautiful. So I, I couldn't this even. This isn't imagine. Siberia, guys. It's not like you're <laughs> moving to Siberia to take advantage of this. I know, right? No joke, no joke. So yeah, I'll definitely look into that. And 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 you know, another thing, you know what I've realized, right? In crypto, there has been a lot more, I feel like individuals, specifically entrepreneurs, that are taking note of cryptocurrency and blockchain and the opportunities that are there. My question for you is knowing what you know now right if you're talking to other entrepreneurs and they're looking to get into cryptocurrency in the blockchain space what are a couple of things that you think they should really pay attention to to kind of help ease that that transition into crypto well number one you know i think you got to realize and i first off do not consider myself an expert on any of these topics in any way shape or form i definitely consider myself as somebody who's interested and looking to learn more every single day which i think a lot of the listeners probably put themselves in a similar place yes. but for me it's just that there's a big unknown like who knows how hard the different governments around the world are going to come down on this who knows you know how quickly certain people are going to adopt this 
I mean, it's just with everything that's so new, there's just a lot of unknowns, which to me makes it exciting and makes the opportunity there because without major rewet, without major risk, there's no major reward. So people should really be excited about the major risk that's out there, but be very eyes wide open to it. I mean, I don't think you should ever invest a dollar into anything um, that's crypto slash blockchain related that you literally cannot um, say complete goodbye to. Like every yes. dollar that I've invested into crypto and blockchain, I hope goes up, you know, 10,000% in the next decade. Right. But if it goes to zero, like I'm not going to have to change my lifestyle. Like I'm not going to invest as much money that would literally, you know, make me, you know, have to crawl back to my parents' house and live in the basement. Although, by <laughs> the way, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Like, if you're in a situation where you're like, you know what, right now I'm paying five thousand, you know, say three thousand dollars in rent a month, uh, a month in rent, and I make, you know, maybe six or seven thousand dollars per month. Um, and if I move back in with my parents, it'd be a decent situation, and I could, you know, contribute to their household a little bit, right. but save a couple thousand dollars per month, and I can invest that into crypto. I think like. That's what you got to think about. Like, why are we spending our money on these huge car leases that, you know, there's going to be no return on that investment on these stupid mortgages or high rents um, when you don't have the kind of money to spend? I mean, listen, like for me, like I'm making seven figures plus a year and netting seven figures plus a year. Like I can buy a $2 million house. Like I did that. Although, you know, frankly, if I do the math in 20 years and I take yeah. that $2 million and put it in the crypto, like, whoa, who knows? <laughs> but, you know, this is a decision that I made and I have invested heavily in crypto in other ways because I still have the means to do so. But it's with the knowledge that, hey, this could go to zero. But for me, I think everybody needs to look at themselves and say, how can I stop spending money on stupid crap yeah. and instead <laughs> invest in things that could grow my business? Like for you, Lyndon, like you were close to being able to come down to Puerto Palooza and yes. invest, which would not have been a small dollar amount, into a long weekend down here in Puerto Rico, which would have really improved your business. It's so like investments like that. But then other people are, you know, that are, taking like that same dollar amount and going on like this spree to to Bali and stuff and and coming back you know just a little a little more hungover right. than they left like that's fine that's a that's a life decision but realize you are sac you are compromising your future ability with decisions like that so for me for many many years now and again I didn't start doing this from day one I started doing this when I was 32 years old so I didn't you know, uh, I wasn't born being smart with my money or I wasn't born, you know, being successful with my money. But at 32 years old, I started making these decisions and it's led me to now where I am today, you know, with eight figures in total net worth and a business that's thriving down here in Puerto Rico. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I could, <laughs> I could agree with you there. Yeah. That's definitely some great advice. I know I follow that myself. That's something that I also uh, tell other people when they get into it. So yeah, I agree a hundred percent with that. A hundred percent. So, yeah, I mean, you, you guys heard it from John Lee Dumas himself, <laughs> you know, definitely, definitely some good advice there. Well, man, I always tell people, I always uh, uh, advocate your show, man. I always tell people to check you out. Um, why don't you go ahead and just tell people where they can find you and where they can listen to your podcast at? Yeah, so I have a show called Entrepreneurs on Fire. We're at episode 2063 right now, so I'm doing it for a hot minute. Uh, nice. About, actually, no, I did just cross my six-year anniversary, which is super cool. So I've been doing it now for over six years and just have a lot of fun talking to successful entrepreneurs about the areas that they're an expert in. We do these what I call audio master classes. So when you tune in, you're going to hear an expert in their field give you incredible value bombs on their areas of expertise. So instead of having to like sit down and read a whole book that that person might have written, 
you know, with like 10 or 15 nuggets of wisdom that you have to sit through. Instead, you can just sit through a 30 to 45 minute episode um, of Entrepreneurs on Fire while you're working out or folding clothes or taking your dog for a walk or driving to work and get those same 10 to 15 nuggets you would have got. Uh, and guess what? It's completely free. So uh, Entrepreneurs on Fire is the name of the podcast in our website's eofire.com eofire.com we have a ton of free awesome courses like if you're interested in podcasting like, like myself and linden uh we have freepodcastcourse.com which is just a completely free course on how to create and launch your podcast and just some other goodies so get into our world sign up for our newsletter and check us out Nice, nice. Yeah, I highly suggest everybody to go check it out from a, from an entrepreneur standpoint. Um, he has some Thanks, great brother. interviews that I listen to. Um, and definitely, if you get into the podcast game, a hundred percent recommendation and referral to go check out his podcast, Paradise. Um, uh, it is amazing. It's ridiculously amazing, and it is a plethora of resources that are extremely useful. And I'm I'm very appreciative of it. <laughs> so <laughs> we're appreciative of you. All right, John. Well, man, I really appreciate you taking the time again out of your day, man, to come through and chop it up with me just for a little bit. And I can't wait to push this out to the world. I know they're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> chop it up, brother. Love it. All right, John. You take it easy, man. And I'll be talking to you soon. All right. Sounds good, brother. Take care. Okay. All right. We'd like to thank everyone for your support here at the Bullpen Podcast all season long and look forward to having you at the next episode. We'd also like to give a special thanks to the team behind the scenes that make this show possible. Today's show notes can be found on our website at thebullpenpodcast.io forward slash post show stats. Also, don't forget to like and retweet us at one bullpen podcast. That's the number one bullpen podcast. And to watch Lyndon do some exciting and probably some weird things too, Tune into the Snapchat at the Crypto Bully. That's at the Crypto Bully. It's been a pleasure, and see you at the next show. Good night, everyone.